0: Put all the Migos in check. All the all the big tech surveillance companies. Let's put their Migos in check. Let's opt out. I stole that from Seth for privacy. It's got a great podcast, the uh, Opt Out Podcast. I've been listening to that for a very long time. Hey, everyone. Hope you're doing well. This is Simon for the Closed Network Privacy Podcast. This is episode number 23, recorded on January 6th. 2023. Another conversation, little hangout, sit down session with one of my favorite YouTube personalities, The Hated One. Um, I've been super jazzed and blessed to have people like uh, The Hated One, Josh, Side of Burritos, who has a fantastic YouTube channel all about Graphene OS and privacy and security and other things that he's now uh, venturing into. I really like having these people on planning to do more of these. This episode is not so structured. So rigidly. we just kind of had some topics we wanted to talk, you know, discuss and have some general banter and just see where the conversation goes. Plan on doing this on a regular basis. Sometimes it's nice to have very topic focused episodes where I'm talking about specific things in the news, maybe reviews of applications or Workflows to help protect our our data and how much information we're sharing with big tech companies versus, uh, you know, what you know, using some sort of pseudonym or other things. Uh, and other times, I just like to have like a conversation you like you'd have around the table, or I like to go camping a lot, so I always put everything in the context of like around uh, having a fire. Maybe your favorite drink in hand, a cigar, whatever your vice is, and just hanging out and having good conversations, uh, whether it's politics, religion, science, current affairs, whatever. Uh, this is a privacy security focused podcast. So we're kind of that's our topic around the campfire, but uh, I want to have more of those. I think it's fun. Maybe I'm just trying to be the Joe Rogan of privacy. I don't know, but I'm having a good time doing it. And I'm glad you're all along for the ride. Before we get into uh, the conversation with the hated one, I just want to say a special thank you and a shout out to uh, my Patreon supporter. I <laughs> uh, appreciate that. Uh, Richard G, you are awesome. If you are interested or have the desire and the means to support the, the project, uh, feel free to pop over to closednetwork.io. That's their the main website. All the links to everything I talk about uh, regarding chat rooms and donations and all that will always be on the main website. So you can go to closednetwork.io and you can click the support tab for donations. Those who donate through Lightning Network on Podcast 2.0 apps, greatly appreciate that support. Thank you. Uh, It does cost a fair bit of money to run this project. Uh, Everything from plausible.io for private privacy uh respecting analytics for the website to mailgun for you know running all our email for the mastodon server the mastodon server itself the closed search.io server the website server um all those little virtual machines they they add up over time and some of those um uh costs Build up. So, uh, I really appreciate any support that you can give if you're able to. Uh, the podcast will always be freely available to everybody without any kind of sponsorship involved, because then I get to say whatever I want and not hurt any feeling. Well, I might hurt feelings, but I'm not going to hurt my pocketbook necessarily by losing a sponsor. So, the goal and objective is a value for value model, which I have adopted from uh, uh, another. Uh, podcast, no agenda podcast. I've I've mentioned them in, in the past. Adam Curry, the Podfather, John C. Dvorak. Uh, I love that model where the the listeners support the show, therefore they become the producers of the show, and that's how I like to think of this. Is not just me, but a we, a collective. Um, and supporting doesn't necessarily always mean have to be monetary. Uh, it could be helping out, like. Uh, unintelligent seven, Mattis max, super, <laughs> super awesome people that have been helping out as moderators in our matrix chat, uh, people who help create or do research and send me articles and links to things. And, uh, and, in the chat, those are all producers. Uh, so it's not like, uh, you're just a passive person. You can be, that's totally cool. But also if you want to be engaged, uh, then, then Engage, engage with us. Um, so you can join our you can join our matrix server. We have two different channels: one which is a main channel, one is an off-topic channel. Uh, they will be in the show notes of this episode. You can also access these things from closednetwork.io. Uh, also, feel free to join our Mastodon server if you're not already on Mastodon, and uh, that way it's kind of like a Twitter-like experience. You'll only see content from the people that you follow, uh, unless you go out to the federated tab, which we are federated, which is nice because if you're already on Mastodon, then you can follow us without having to create a new account or follow other people on other Mastodon servers. Um, so anyways, that's how you can get involved, be engaged. And, uh, if you have the means and desire, I always appreciate the support. I'm going to try to provide some more value to the Patreon supporters and probably doing some behind the scenes stuff, maybe some video, uh, tutorials, or at least kind of like how I have things set up, whether it's my desktop environments, my mobile phones and that kind of thing. I'm also thinking about doing uh, little like book review summaries or passage summaries for Patreon supporters. Um, and of course the podcast will always be available to everybody. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, if you have any questions, uh, or if any, if you have anything you want me to take a look at, feel free to shoot me an email as well. Simon at closed network.io, uh, or just pop into one of the matrix rooms or follow me, hit me up on Mastodon. Those are the best ways to get in touch with me. And I will, uh, I will try to prioritize getting back to you. I have a little bit of a backlog from the last couple of weeks, so I, I appreciate the people who have sent me emails, and I am going to be responding this week, so don't think that I didn't get it, or that I don't care, because it does mean a lot to me. Um, I, uh, I was excited to sit down with the hated one, have this conversation, so I hope you enjoy it, and uh, yeah, so without further ado, we're just gonna we're just going to hop right into it. All right. We are back. <laughs> the hated one. You're you're back on the going? show, man. How you doing?
1: Yeah, I I'm feeling like a sleeping beauty without a beauty part. But, you sound like uh, it. Hopefully, people will apologize. I mean, uh, people will forgive me uh, for sounding like uh, like death. But uh, I've I have not been feeling too well. Uh, but I really wanted to do this with you because I have missed your voice, voice, Mister network and uh, I'm glad that we are
0: back again. I have also missed your voice, and uh you sound great you sound great for me so maybe the um maybe the modulation through the roadcaster is uh helping you out, but you don't you don't sound like death, <laughs> but you probably feel like death. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I feel pretty terrible. I feel extremely hot, but not in a good way. And uh, it's—I don't know—I I never get this um, sick for this long. This is kind of surprising to me. It's a new one, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully, I will get get—I'll get over it and uh, I'll be back on track. But um, for now, I'm—I'm I'm just
0: happy to be here with you and have this talk finally. Likewise, man. Likewise, um, it uh, for those that are listening, we. We talk uh, just like everybody else does through, you know, Matrix and things like that. Uh, but we we don't always uh, get to sync up. We're in different time zones. We're in different places on the planet, and uh, so it, we it's always tricky to like lock down schedules, especially right now after New Year and everything uh, catching catching things up. So I'm glad you were able to you know fight through your your illness to jump on with me and i didn't i didn't really have I had a few topics you and I kind of discussed a little bit you know kind of some ideas to to chat about, but didn't have a strict rigid format necessarily I really enjoy having free form conversations with people and especially creators like yourself like Joshua beside a burritos and other people and i would i want to have i want to pepper those in i obviously uh, know that there's a lot of things we try to cover but i'd also like to pepper in if that's the right term some kind of more freeform, chill laid-back conversation style uh, episodes where it can be things can lead to where they want to go organically if that makes sense it does make sense uh i love freeform conversations
1: i did a couple of them on my channel as well but uh it's not something that i always find the time to do i've did talks uh with plenty of people from all over the world and it's always hard to find the the, the time uh, time slots for uh both parties uh, involved and uh it's it's something that's, uh, you know, you have to make compromises. Uh, sometimes you have to wake up early, stay up late uh, for that person. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I I wanted to do this more regularly with more people, but eventually I just um, dropped it and just stayed focused on making the main videos that I always, uh, you know, publish on my channel. But I still miss the casual conversations. We always, at least, you know, between the, between the two of us, we were able to talk for like three hours straight with no problem <laughs> and still had plenty left
0: left to talk plenty about. left over so, exactly yeah. and i what i'd like to do is i just like to increase the frequency they don't have to be three hour conversations i know that <clears throat> it's easier for people to digest, you know one to two hour kind of things kind of duration uh podcasts or videos and things so maybe we kind of switch up the format i don't know just experiment with stuff and try it out i will say though um i've been a Patreon of yours for quite some time now. Uh, I think I achieved, I like unlocked some sort of second or third achievement. Like I got the sweatshirt a couple weeks ago. (laughs) I sent you a photo of it. I also have the mug, so I'm like, all right, all right, cool, cool, getting my tho swag. Um, (laughs) But one of the things I really like is for your Patreon supporters, you do upload quite frequently free form podcasts like audio podcasts uh, that are not available for anyone else to listen to. I mean, everyone gets to enjoy your really incredible content on your YouTube channel, the one that you put a lot of time and effort into. But then you also do these episodes where you just pop on and you free form. And I always felt like it's, it was very authentic. I got to get to know you, even though I'm just passively consuming your audio clips. But that's what kind of, I get excited. So when I see a post pop up, you know, a Patreon post, I'm like, oh sweet. THO posted, you know, he posted something. Sometimes you're just talking about your process for your scripts and your sources and what you're, what you're kind of going through. And that's, that's neat. Cause I get to kind of get a feel behind the scenes for how you put your videos together. And I also get to listen to you in a non-scripted format, which is, why I like to host these types of episodes where I can get more. So, really, this is actually for me. I'm actually just doing this for myself, so I get more free form for you, from you. You see how this worked out? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I don't consider myself to be particularly good at being free form. I I kind of struggle with uh, making coherent uh, sentences. But with the podcast that I make on Patreon. It's, uh, it's very helpful because uh, I oftentimes get feedback straight from the audience and these people are usually more charitable and they're um, more open to reading my um, conclusions and opinions in, 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 in an honest way, uh, trying to interpret them as, as, uh, um, as, accru- as accurately as I'm trying to say them. And that's something that I, that I need. And it really, like, for example, for when I was researching my for my latest video, um, that actually changed the course of how I was going to approach the final product. It, like, significantly changed it. Like, that feedback throughout the weeks that I was uh, talking about this with the with the uh, Patreon supporters, that was actually pretty amazing. So it's really cool um, if if you can have this sort of community. This is why I like doing it on Patreon. Right. Because, um, like, uh, on podcasts, uh, generally you, you don't necessarily have that. But I think you went uh, around that um, limitation, and I think you are building your own community. How is that actually going for you?
0: So... Yeah, um, I just want to mention, make one comment as being a Patreon supporter for your channel. I also uh, get a lot of value in other Patreons' comments on your content and reading what their what their viewpoint is, replying to them, liking what they say, and that community aspect um, is is nice. I think it reinforces that we're all here to try to keep moving forward for this particular creator. In this case, it's you. There's tons of Patreon, right? That you can subscribe to. And I feel like you're kind of, I wouldn't say like an exclusive club or anything like that, but I mean, it's just more, um, it makes you feel more connected to the project at large. And i really try to embrace some of that as much as I can and doing things in my own way where, Uh, I do have a Patreon, and I have one supporter right now, which is awesome. (laughs) Richard G., (laughs) thank you for being like a badass privacy supporter, which is the tier level that he's on. Uh, That means a lot, and I I need to figure out a way to do content for that, and I'm working on that now, but just in general, the closed network community has grown very healthily uh, over the last several months now. Uh, beyond my expectations, I didn't really know what to expect, but I think we have at any given moment, we've got about 114 or so people in our main podcast matrix channel. And then we also have an off topic channel with roughly 40 to 50, where it's just kind of like, you don't have to necessarily stay on topic for privacy. It can just kind of be an off topic, uh, free form, you know, just posting stuff up there. And then we also, Uh, i say we i'm including the help from uh, the moderators that have been giving a lot of you know pointers and stuff for me to help on intelligence 7 and Mattis max Um, we we decided to deploy a mastodon server because i think that uh, first of all mastodon's gaining a lot of attention and it's getting more popular but what i think is cool about it is that for the people that are not really into using matrix i kind of equate matrix as a Uh, evolved version of IRC uh, where it's just, you know, it's a stream of conversation. So if you come in, you don't always know where to start. You might passively just read and you may ask a question, but you're not, you don't know the room yet, you know, whereas Mastodon, you can join our Mastodon server and just follow us, you know, us who are already on there and you can post stuff that are memes or news articles about it you know, some privacy ready content or a data breach or something of that nature. And you can then kind of enjoy it in a way that's more similar to a lot of social platforms that people are already accustomed to. I think if you're used to already being on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, or something like that, and you jump in a matrix, you're like, what is this? <laughs> but <laughs> But if you set up like a Mastodon account, and you don't have to register on our server, we're federated, so you can follow us, you know, no matter where you're registered. But I feel like that's kind of like a very easy step into connecting with like-minded individuals without having to keep up with the chaos sometimes of live matrix chat rooms, if that makes sense. So um, that's kind of where we're at, and I'm excited about this year and continuing to grow that and bring more people in and so far everything has been very civil and kind and i love seeing that like you do get some keyboard warriors in this space you know or it's like I shouldn't that's that's garbage you shouldn't use that you should only use like this linux distro you know by the way i use arch you know kind of kind of mentality people (laughs) it happens it does happen so I, i think it's been really um successful in the sense where we've like egos have really been at bay and people are genuinely interested in just trying to help people out in their journey whether it's helping them with a graphene os install or deploying a self-hosted you know vault warden for Bitwarden or, or self-hosting doing all sorts of stuff you can kind of just come in ask questions and not be berated i guess if that's the best way to explain it
1: That's really nice. That's that's good to hear. It's not a toxic community, another one.
0: (laughs) Right. And, And the people that are, you know, agree to help out and be moderators, they are of that same spirit, welcoming people in, and that helps because even if someone doesn't necessarily know the answer, they are willing to try to help and not just belittle people because the more we can do to help people feel like it's already kind of intimidating when you start taking this, this step in this direction towards privacy and security for your own personal life. It can be overwhelming very quickly. The last thing you need is someone in a chat room telling you to RTFM, right? Read the fucking manual or search the web. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's like, no, help, help them out. That's, you know, that's the whole point. And, uh, Yeah, I I hope it stays that way. That's my mission, um, is to keep it that way and stay on topic and then have off-topic stuff be off-topic stuff, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm actually glad that you have your own community there because uh, I've been thinking about joining. Uh, but I was um, only wondering if you're going to see my news if I join on your. I'm going <laughs> to.
0: I'm going to try like hell because I think that would be a huge boost to get more listeners if I had THO's shows nudes <laughs> on my. <server. laughs>
1: yeah, that could be a pretty good PR stunt. I
0: think it. I think it could be at least some good clickbait. Might boost me up a little bit. Um. Yeah, so for those that are not familiar, you can register on mastodon.social, which is kind of like matrix.org, right? Um, Or you can join individual servers like ours. Ours is closednetwork.social, and you can just sign up with an email address and a password. Fully encourage you to use an email alias and a VPN. We do log the IP. That's pretty much it. And that's for the purposes so we can ban IPs uh, if if we have to, so we can blacklist something. Other than that, yes, you do put some reliance in the operators, but I feel like the where I'm at in my life, I would much rather put more faith and stock into individuals that at least seem available versus big black box tech companies where thousands of people could potentially have access to my information or data and also be able to manipulate what, I, what my experience is like on their platform. With Mastodon, you only see what you follow. You can go and, and look at other streams in the public timeline. But by default, what you see on your, on your feed is content from creators or you know people on there uh, in a chronological order, there's no ads, there's no algorithm. <laughs> it's just like if everyone were to write something on a post-it note and stick it on the wall and the next person stuck theirs on the next one. <laughs> well, you know, it's just kind of like right above it. You know, it just kind of, it just kind of flows. And I feel like, um, that makes more sense because you're not being bombarded with a bunch of promoted content or content that's finding its way to you through the social graph. Um, you're just seeing stuff from people that you decided to follow. And if you don't want to follow them anymore, unfollow or block them. And that's pretty much it. It's uh not a whole lot of the learning curve to use it is actually, I think, a lot easier than most of the other traditional social media platforms. Yeah, it, I mean,
1: um Mastodon has been around for a while now. Um I haven't given it a try. Um, I think I have like a long time ago, but I gave up Um, because the concept wasn't really that popular back then. And I wasn't really sure about this uh, whole federation thing, because um, it kind of seemed like, well, uh, we do have problems with uh, centralized services through the nature of their design, but also, uh, is this uh, federation thing really solving the problem, or just um, spreading it out to just uh, more communities? And then you have to um, trust that uh, the instance that you're currently on is actually going to stay there and what happens if it you know, gets uh, shut down or um, their maintainers are no longer operating in. You know, there are all these issues that um, happen with hobby projects and small projects without a business model. So <clears throat> I, I was really skeptical, but it seems that it's getting traction right now and hopefully it will get even more traction. It will get even more popular in my most ideal uh, scenario, this is not what uh, I think would would be the the uh, final solution <laughs> to the <laughs> to the privacy problem. Oh, sure. It sounded horrible. Sure, totally. <laughs> but uh, but I think um, it's 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 definitely it sounds like a step in the right direction or a better direction than what we are currently what we currently have as the mainstream right uh, option.
0: I guess the one thing I've kind of come to grips with is that anything that is an alternative may not necessarily be the de facto long-term solution, but it's a stepping stone to something in the right direction overall. Uh, so it, it might be Mastodon today, and there's also a, a, a Fediverse open-source platform. When I say open-source, the, the, you know anyone can self-host. uh, pixel fed which is kind of like a mastodon version for instagram which i think is also pretty cool because you know we like to share photos and photography or what you're eating that day i suppose whatever and it it's like i just like seeing new things come about and them and they get enough traction uh to where they're actually kind of mainstream you're seeing mastodon you're seeing a lot of journalists using Mastodon, celebrities. I just posted on my on my Mastodon yesterday a photo of Mark Ruffalo, who's a you know, a, a movie actor. Holy shit. Yeah. And he he registered an account on Mastodon.social as Mark Ruffalo. And people were like, "Is that really him?" And he took a photo of himself holding a piece of paper that says, "Yes, it's me, Mark Riffalo, and this is my Mastodon account, and he had a blue he just drew it like with a blue marker and put a blue check mark on it. <laughs> and you know it's like it's like, okay, that's really wow. neat. you know that's cool that we're yeah. actually and do I think the Mastodon will be the thing? Probably not, but I like that there's alternatives to just the commercial data mining farms out there. <laughs> and I call them data mining farms because that's kind of what they are. Um, there's no, uh, no real way to predict the future and knowing if this is the thing that's going to be the thing. I, th- I don't think there's ever a thing that's going to be the thing. I think that it's just time periods where there's just something that we use and then we move on to something else. And that's the evolution of technology. And I am okay with that. I'm okay with that, knowing that, like, well, maybe, you know, whether it be Bitcoin and crypto or Mastodon and, you know, decentralization of services, uh, whether it's Graphene OS, who knows, five years from now, there might be two, three other projects that we become the new thing for us for mobile solutions, mobile devices, VPN. I don't know, you know, it's, but it's neat. It's neat being in the space, being aware of what people are. Like-minded like us are trying to accomplish and experimenting with new services and apps that are filling the need. I I see so many new services popping up all the time that are focused on in in encryption and privacy and security. And And that is a big indicator to me that this group, this collective mindset is growing by the day because you're seeing people, you know basically come to market with solutions they see you know, and they're doing market research. They're definitely probably seeing a viable business solution, whether it's something like Skiff or NT uh, for encrypted photo backups, you know, and, and other types of my and all these other services that are literally coming out to cater and provide solutions for people that are looking for a more secure option. I will always say more secure and more private than the big tech Uh, products out there doesn't mean that they're all perfect but I I don't think anything I don't think perfect really exists I think you and I and our previous conversations and and even still today are always trying to seek perfect (laughs) right whether it's I I, I'm seeing a lot more uh, content for I2P over Tor Tor seems to be kind of like a dying dinosaur and it seems like I2P will be a replacement for for Tor. I could be wrong, but I, I kind of I'm getting that vibe that that could be the way. And, and one of the first things I think about is our conversations about Briar and Kutch, right? Like, could we eventually achieve Nirvana by having stuff that's truly decentralized on a peer to peer fashion? Maybe, maybe. Uh, but you know, I think we're it's still early because too many people are just are droning on with their just normal stuff right now and it's not important to them but more and more people are waking up every day and that's just kind of what i see
1: yeah i i i think uh for something like briar or coach to really uh, make it into the mainstream would be would, would be pretty miraculous something something really strange would have to happen and um. I'm kind of skeptical okay. that that strange thing, thing would happen because it would mean that the currently uh, dominating corporations that are building our devices and selling our uh, selling us uh, their their software solutions would have to sabotage their current business model and allow people to have full or more control over their devices and their data. And a company like Apple is never going to do that. They would rather burn the whole company sure. to the ground, which. Sure. Would be a good thing, I guess <laughs> right and, uh, right we are kind of beholden to these uh, monopolies they have just so much power that they basically dictate what's going to happen in the future and I think uh, I was kind of hoping for a solution that would not even solely focus on being just a privacy alternative of the main most popular thing, but rather be its own thing, right. so it's its own feature that The centralized uh, corporations are never going to be able to provide to people because um, it would go against their core business model. It would just just not work for them. But um, you could have uh, something that's not constrained by the shareholder value, so they would be uh, able to to have that. And uh, both Briar and Coach, they are not there. Uh, They are just ideas. Uh, For Coach, it's uh, basically making... All communication completely trustless and consent-based, which I really like. This idea of um, enforcing consent on all communications—I think that's that's something kind of that's kind of like the future because it really gives you full control over the curation of all the uh, feeds that you get fed into your um, system, into your phone. Um, and I think people would essentially like that, but it would have to work, and it's—it's—I uh- it, don't think it works yet.
0: I don't think it's there, but I think there's going to be a major disruption. I think there's going to be several in the next five years. I think one of them could likely be what I, w- what I would like to see is a dismantling of the phone number requirement. What I mean by that is I would like to live in a time where I don't even have to have a phone number because phone numbers like especially our mobile phone numbers and I, and I don't know a lot of us go out of our way to use things like pgpp or mysudo or our other things to obfuscate our phone number identity to our phones but the the normal the normie phone is you go and you you buy a phone whether you're buying it direct from the manufacturer or you're buying it from a carrier you have a phone number which they have your name a lot of times they do a credit check for you when you're doing it through a provider like Verizon or T-Mobile or any of these guys and then, so that number is known to you. And then you kind of, everything now is tied to that phone, that I, IMEI, you know, number, it's the serial number on the phone and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like from the very beginning, you're pegged. I would like a phone that, or a device, which is perfectly capable of doing voice communication, but doesn't have a phone number. It's just on the network. Maybe I've subscribed to a data service through the providers. I mean, cause I, I don't think we're going to get away from necessarily from like the massive infrastructure of cell phone towers and things like that. But I, you know, I, I kind of look to the future and like my ideal world would be, I actually have a phone with service on it, but I don't need a phone number and I can still get calls through whatever app. It doesn't matter. Just create a widget right? It's a blob on the phone that manages it. That can be somehow I've separated from my identity and really I'm just paying to utilize the network. And I think with two factor authentication uh, and things, you can still have all the security you want and not necessarily have to have a phone number registered to your name. That would be a huge step in the right direction for the future of mobile devices, in my opinion, that would be one of the best
1: things that could ever happen. I think we should just get rid of cellular um, radio. Like you know, data could stay, but telephone sure. networks should just go away completely. Phone numbers, I hate that. And even though there are some solutions like uh, your favorite, uh, my sudo, I think offers like pseudonymous phone numbers. It's, it's pseudonymous. It's never going to get you to the real level of privacy or anonymity that some thread models would need. That doesn't mean it's not a valid product. It just has limitations. Yeah, correct. And, uh, I want to build up on your, uh, prediction that you, I, I, I think it's pretty optimistic. I, I hope that you're right, that within the next five years we'll get rid of phone numbers, but I think this is how it can actually be done. And it's with temper resistant hardware. So more and more phones, and it starts with Pixel phones and uh, iPhones. Uh, Your uh, phones are are shit with um, a uh, uh, an SOC, uh, which is actually a a separate system that uh, exists completely isolated, both physically and uh, logically, from uh, the main motherboard, from the main hardware, and uh, it does not the data that is stored in this. piece of hardware it never leaves the hardware it just stays there forever and if there's any sort of um attack on that hardware then there are multiple mechanisms to prevent uh exfiltration of data um either by nuking the the hardware you know just making it impossible to recover um without user authentication and um well, one of the manifestations of, of this temper-resistant hardware is in the so-called FIDO security keys. And uh, these keys are essentially the same thing, but on a in like a USB format. So you can plug it into something or use NFC, near-field communication with your phone, or even use it over Bluetooth. And it's pretty fantastic because uh, you can completely get rid of the phone number requirement. You can even get rid of the password requirement because this completely... Um, uh, nullifies the need for a password because the authentication happens on the uh, tamper-resistant hardware itself. It goes both ways, so it's unfishable. You you completely eliminate uh, a, a whole category of attacks, uh, which you know is um, you know phishing attacks. The, these wouldn't be. Uh, even possible to do with uh, these uh, security keys or temporary resistant hardware on your phone, and with this setup, you you can authenticate to any service and m- as many times as you want. The service could decide how many times they want to allow specific uh, temporary resistant hardware to uh, register an account for, so that they won't they wouldn't to you know abuse uh, avoid uh, abuse or spam. Um, but this is actually. Um, I think an essential way of getting to to this state, like when people finally realize, and I think the banks will be the last one, last ones to realize that this is the way to go, because they're still using phone numbers. I think some of them are still using fax.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> but yeah, this this Fido idea, I think is is uh, pretty amazing, and I'm a big fan of it. And I think this is how we we could actually get there. So I'm actually pretty excited. I'm just hoping that. Um, Companies uh, will realize this, uh, or service providers will will realize this potential and implement it as soon as possible.
0: This this takes me back to the uh, episode you did some months back with the GrapheneOS developer, where he was going deep diving into the Titan chip and how that SOC. I think that's what you're talking about, right? The SOC, uh, yeah. It, it basically, is like a uh, it's an impenetrable, you know, fairly impenetrable vault. Um,
1: it is totally impenetrable, right. Not fairly.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Right. I would say fairly just so I don't sound like a complete moron if I am a little wrong.
1: <laughs> I'm, no, I am not. A- the only way, the only way you can get into it into the Titan M is with user authentication, or if you find like a multi multi million dollar um, exploit chain that no one knows about, but I don't think uh, one was uh, found yet. Gotcha.
0: So, like, the NSO is not even necessarily a threat, and they and and they would. And the only way it would be is if they had physical access to the device.
1: Not even, not even with physical access, they would have right. to have user authentication. They would have to know your um, uh, pin code or passphrase. because if you reboot your phone, then uh, all the data is going to be at rest, which means not even your fingerprint is going to, or like face ID is going to unlock your phone you have to um, provide that initial verification. And there is a rate limit feature which um, uh, slows down the um, wait period between each new authentication. And I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, I think at the uh, authentication number 120, it, you have to wait like a full day. And there is no way around this uh, mm. implementation, and Pixel phones implement this uh, with the Weaver API, which is the most secure implementation of secure element on Android. And um, you could, if you try to do anything to the hardware itself, it will just not work. It, right. it is wired in such a way that uh, whatever, whatever change you make into it is gonna make it unrecoverable.
0: That is really amazing. Um, I, I listened yeah. to that episode twice uh, it, when it first posted, and then I listened to it again fairly recently, uh, probably in the last six weeks, just because I really wanted to come back and revisit it. And I still, I am not a um, I'm a most of my skills are on the software side. Uh, when I say skills, like using Unix, Linux based systems or databases and things like that. So my interactions with computers have always been through the front end. When it comes to the hardware end of things, I'm kind of moronic I, I don't really know I, I have to have it explained to me in, in simple terms and, and he did a really good job and you've done a really good job of explaining that in a way that i can understand because when it, i just hardware my brain just malfunctions like i just don't get it um it fascinates me that people um are, are so brilliant to be able to do that kind of thing but i understand the value and the benefit and and i that is to me i feel like that's kind of the where we've kind of achieved this level of security on the hardware side and we're achieving it day by day with every update that projects like graphene os are putting out and and you know we're able to just download and utilize so maybe you know there's always some at a, a vector of attack depending upon how we're using the phone but we're like we're kind of there in a sense uh on the hardware and software side. Now we need to get there with the network side and the phone number thing and that, that kind of stuff. So that would be ideal. Um, And it seems that the big tech companies have accepted, they've swallowed the pill that their biggest threat to their business is not a three letter agency necessarily. Right, or something like that, but the threat that they will have a data breach or a hack or a, an exploited zero-day bug will be utilized against their user base, that that threat is now to the point where they're actually rolling out features that should have been rolled out a long time ago, mainly speaking about end-to-end encryption. Both Google and Apple have rolled out advanced data protection programs for users, uh, and I, I really this caught me off guard. I really didn't expect to see that. Now, granted, they still they are still the gatekeeper and being and seeing all of your data and, and data coming across the network and things. But as far as like your actual files, your 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 photos, your files that you're storing on their server meaning a cloud system right that they're actually providing an end-to-end encrypted solution where you hold the key and they actually tell you if you lose this key you're screwed if you don't have a backup contact you're screwed you're not going to get your data so I mean they're still going to scan everything else they they can and they're going to snoop on what podcasts you listen to and for how long and all this other crap but you're the stuff that you're saving the precious memories, that's going to be into end encrypted Google's uh, rolled it out earlier, which is, you know, really either advanced protection program. And then Apple just in the last three weeks rolled out advanced data protection. And what I'm saying is, is that they're acknowledging that there's a greater threat that their users data could be compromised versus the threat of, well, we need to be able to work with law enforcement to give them something. If they ask for it, that the, you know what I'm saying? Like the risk level is much higher, that there's going to be compromises within the infrastructure, that that's more likely to happen. That tells me that the data war is much bigger than any of us are probably really aware of.
1: I think at least from what I'm seeing with what Google is doing with their mobile hardware is that they are uh, gradually trying to remove themselves from the equation of uh, being asked for customer data. And uh, they are handling a lot of uh, account information and device information uh, right now. But slowly, uh, but surely, they are moving more and more of uh, computation to be done either either on device or they're implementing differential privacy, which I think is uh, not implemented uh, properly, but it's better than right. their competition like Microsoft or Apple. Right, right. Sorry?
0: Yeah, no, I was just saying, right. Like, they definitely seem they're definitely they seem like they're going back to the don't be evil days <laughs> now they're still evil <laughs> you can't really undo all the evil but what i'm saying is, is that i i i'm i'm seeing that i'm seeing that we're kind of moving back in a direction that protects the users protects i think i
1: think it also it also could be um trying to remove themselves from the liability problem
0: I, because then
1: you nailed it that's the, it Yeah. They don't, they don't have to, you know, say anything. They can just say, well, a customer purchased this device. We no longer have any control. It's up to them. It's up to you guys. You can do whatever you want. You can hack the device. We'll give you all the information that you need, that you you need, that we have, but nothing more. And I think this is kind of beneficial for, for them as a corporation because you know, they, they have complete deniability and, uh, uh, that's also beneficial uh, with regards to our security as well um, because this phone is never going to get into, into China.
0: <laughs> oh, I know, right? Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, the it, it's kind of like if you've seen any of the... Uh, warrants or the pay, you know, the, the requests that signals posted in the past. And I know we both have kind of like our concerns about signal tied to your phone number. But the one thing you can say about signals so far, it seems that they can say like, Hey, yes, that phone number is registered with our platform. Here's when it registered. Here was the last time it, it connected to the network. Oh, you want to know who they're talking to or what the nature of the content of their conversations are like, we can't help you. Sorry. This is all, this is all you can get. Yeah. And and in our eyes, that's still too much information, but it's a huge—it's closing a huge gap um, in keeping our conversations private, intended for the other people that they were meant for. And I want to kind of go back to what you just said a, a few minutes ago about, if you, especially if you turn your your phone off, um, is that if you ever think, especially if you're traveling internationally, I 100% recommend when you're going through security or immigration. Turn your phone off. Don't turn it on. Leave it off. Leave it in the off state. Because that's when it first turns on is when it's in its most secure state. And it, it does happen, especially if you're traveling internationally, where it's, there's potential for your phone to be confiscated and uh, surveilled, looked at. This can also happen... Uh, without you knowing about it. There's a story that's come out just in the last few weeks about a YouTuber who's into cars and he lives in Amarillo, Texas. And he um, had some warrants uh, put out for his arrest due to someone who reported him for videos on his YouTube channel that appeared allegedly to be doing illegal street racing in Texas. So... There was multiple people implicated with, with, this, uh, with these warrants, like people he was with and other people in the car and other cars that were with him. And one of the things that I, t- I watched some of his story on his YouTube channel and I'm not, his name just for anyone that wants to know is Kevin Van Voris V-O-R-I-S in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, I'm not really trying to promote him or the channel. It's a story because one of the things I picked up from this was the police raided his home They also followed him from his home when he left home to go to work and arrested him. And one of the things that he said was they took his phone. He even asked them to call his brother. They both work together at a gym. This guy owns to say, Hey, can you at least tell my brother I'm not coming in? Like, you know, and he says later, I never got my phone back. They also confiscated his brother's phone his wife's phone and all their devices. Obviously, they're trying to, you know, find out if these videos exist on another devices to probably charge him with deadly for deadly conduct, I think was the charge initially he said and illegal street racing and all this other stuff. None of that stuff really matters to the story. My point was is that they took his phone after they arrested him, but were already going through his phone. Had he thought to just turn his phone off? I mean, maybe they would have got it from other devices from his house. Who knows? But there is this, I think within the law enforcement community and, and probably within the you know, FBI and CIA, this push to like get the device and try to get it unlocked as fast as you can kind of, kind of mentality. Now, that might be different if you're being charged with something, right? Versus if you're not being charged with something and, and people are, you know, uh, agencies are trying to, you know, get some, some content off of your phone in one form or fashion. And I, I really think that like the, the physical device, like that phone in your pocket is probably the most precious thing you own in the sense that, it literally has everything, all your contacts and your memories and your files and your email, your communications, what you're talking, who you're talking to, when it's everything. And sure you for, for desktops and whatever you could use Linux and all this other stuff, but they're vastly, you know, kind of they're, they're more broad. They're more for more broad tasks. I think in this day and age, people have more sensitive information on their phone than they do on any other device that they have in their life. And so you almost need to protect it as if it's like a newborn baby. <laughs> and and I know it sounds crazy, but like I'm in the, I'm in the mindset now. I haven't been pulled over in quite a long time, but if I get pulled over, I'm turning my phone off. I'm going to turn it off regardless of what, what I'm getting pulled over for. And I think that a lot of people are like, well, no, I, I got to record it. You know, I got to record it on video. It's going to be recorded on their, on their chest cam. I mean, yeah, maybe there's an advantage to try to record it if you could, but if they're going to slap the cuffs on you, you ain't recording anything. Just turn the phone off.
1: Yeah, on RafiNoise, there's actually a neat feature called Uh, auto reboot. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead and talk about that. You you can set it for like uh, 10 minutes or up to several hours. And uh, I I think it's a pretty neat feature because uh, you would have to unlock your phone uh, manually to prevent that auto-reboot from happening. Otherwise, your phone is just going to reboot to the default state where all the data is going to be at rest. And at that point, there's nothing they're going to be able to do with your data. Of course, if you are a um, uh, most wanted target in the United (laughs) States, they are probably going to throw some multimillion dollars from an FBI department. Sure. Um, They're going to get into it. it. yeah, like your local police is not gonna it's not gonna go after your uh, device. Although I'm not gonna say that this is a legal advice because you know I don't know the the I'm not, I'm not very familiar with the with the laws uh, what, what the best practice is. But this is I think what I would do. I would just try to keep my phone powered off or, or in the first boot state. Yeah, and that would
0: be that would be the that that would be the state where I would have the most uh, peace of mind. Um, especially yeah. with f- people who have like phones with um, face unlock detection and that kind of thing. It's like e- 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 they could just put it in front of your face and unlock it. They could put your thumbprint on it to unlock it. But if it's in its not if you, not you know, if you,
1: not if you reboot it. Yeah.
0: No, 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 no. That's what I'm saying. If you're not, if you, yeah. if you reboot, you have to put the pin in regardless of, of what phone yeah. you're, generally speaking. I'm not, I don't know every phone out there, but exactly. the iPhones yeah. and pixels and stuff. I, I know. And you have to enter the pin. So that's kind of like your one safeguard to protecting yourself, uh, at least the, so, you know, whether it's for nefarious acts or, or for legitimate reasons they're trying to get in. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm programmed now. My mind is like, yo, if I got blue lights in my rearview mirror, I'm turning my phone off. (laughs) It's like kind of crazy to think that. I don't trust
1: police at all. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's a cool time to be alive and see, how quickly these things have come about. These solutions like Graphene OS, Calyx OS, Alignity GOS, you know, all these different things. I know we have our favorite, but, um, you know, and rooting phones and installing custom ROMs has been around for quite a long time, but not so much with the emphasis for privacy and security features. They've always just been so you could do cool stuff or sideload things or do cool themes or whatever. But now it's almost like this is, this is part of our workflow, If you get a new phone, part of your workflow is well, better it's it's got to be unlocked because I'm gonna I'm gonna flash a different ROM on there. I mean that's kind of wild to think about.
1: Yeah, we have more options than we used to. Definitely, Uh, for me, it's just one option: graphene OS all all the way. Uh, I just don't. (laughs) I'm with you, man.
0: I'm with you. I, I dabbled. I dabbled with some of the other stuff, and I was like, I just came right back to graphene. You know.
1: Exactly, but even even if you just stay with the stock uh, Android experience, um, and you get like uh, a reasonably secure and up to date device like uh, Pixel, uh, one of the latest uh, generations, then you're still pretty secure because all of these hardware implementations are there. It's uh, it has the same Titan M chip, and there are many many things that Google has uh, improved upon. Like for example, there's um, a feature I think it's called Now Playing. And uh, it suggests uh, to you what kind of music is playing. If you want to find the music based on the sound of it, if you know if you don't know the lyrics, it doesn't have right. the lyrics. It will find a song for you, and all of that is happening on device. There's no device um, uh, data leaving the device, which is pretty amazing. You can find you know songs playing in the background, or you can play songs to it, and um, it doesn't send data to Google. And Google did this um, out of their own Volition. It was their idea. So pretty neat. And more and more things are happening this way. So there are going to be improvements even on the stock experience if you if you just kind of move to GrapheneWise for, for whatever reason. But I think those reasons should be pretty um, extraordinary because uh, I in my experience, has been able to run virtually everything. But you know, I understand that not everyone is uh, ready to go there.
0: Yeah, it and it's... Um, I, I, I know I talk about it quite a probably at some points through different episodes on on my podcast but the reason why i do is again because it is the most touched device that i own it is the everything device that i own so it is a big part of my life um when it comes to computers, I have several computers that are running all different kind of operating systems and distributions and all that stuff. Uh, but the phone always is doing, you know, it's always the, the constant, so to speak. And I think that's kind of why I'm, I'm always going back to that and talking about it because it's, you know, and it's hard for people to make that switch. And I, I understand. And some people just can't, um, there's very few things though I've ran into that just don't work that well. On a de-Googled pixel running graphene os uh, Hulu for example if you if you if you 're one of those people that hands your phone to your kid to watch hulu it's gonna um, <laughs> it 's not going to work there's a couple a couple little things like that, small use case type things, but by and large, everything works quite well and i 've been really happy uh, with the experience, especially since graphene OS has moved to the sandboxed Google Play services, so you can even have you know other uh, other user profiles with sandboxed applications installed, um, which containerizes it from your main your main profile. Um, but anyway, I we didn't I didn't really I didn't try to go into make this a graphene OS episode. It just it always comes back to that for me because that's just what everyone has is a, a mobile phone in their pocket. You know. Um, so so what's your what's your um, kind of your your goals or any projects that you're following that kind of suit your fancy for 2023 is uh is there anything that's been on your radar that you're you're you know want to experiment with or talk to developers about or anything or are you still kind of um you know on the same you know kind of same stuff from 2022 as far as your content I goes? think
1: I think most of, of what um, I'm going to be following in 2023 is going to be from um, what I followed in 2022. And one of those is Safing. Um, that's uh, kind of like a new project that's trying to build sort of like a VPN tour alternative It is actually uh, trying to solve the problem that VPNs do not, which is if you um, sign up for any, even a reputable VPN service, they are going to know your, IP address, and it's up to their privacy policy, which you cannot really enforce on your end to uh, promise you that they do not log your records. But you know, if they if they are forced to do so by a legal order or anything like that, and you know, it's you're not going to be told, and uh, it's going to be a problem. I think this happened to Proton Mail, um, but they do Proton VPN as well. They will were told to log a user and they were not allowed to tell anyone about it. So that's a problem, Mm -hmm. but um, Safing is trying to do that in a way where you do not have to trust that uh, central authority anymore. And they're packaging this uh, SVN, this Safing Privacy Network with Portmaster. And that's, uh, I think, my most favorite tool right now because it's actually a pretty good uh, application firewall. Right now it's only for desktops. And it came out of um, Alpha recently. I think it's in full version right now. And um, what they're doing is basically they allow you to control all the connections based on the domains or the applications that are making those connections. You can block whole applications from even accessing uh, the Internet It's um, enforced at the kernel, which is a pretty strong implementation. It can be bypassed by a malware, so this is not a security tool, but it is a a reasonable privacy tool if you install applications that uh, phone home and you don't want it to be calling home and sending uh, some of your data to uh, where it's not necessary. You can block out apps that probably should not even have access to the internet, like a local calculator or something like that. So it's a pretty neat feature that I think uh, has been missing on the desktop for a long time. And it's also a good uh, network monitoring tool, which um, allowed me to discover pretty <laughs> interesting things about, for example, how Firefox uh, pings servers of Amazon, Facebook, and YouTube just from the homepage. Just you open up the homepage of Firefox, the browser, not any home- website, but to the browser itself. And it was pinging all these servers. And I found that, through Portmaster, and it was, it was pretty weird. And uh, I don't have my results uh, with me, but uh, once I'm getting back to this research, I'm gonna publish those results. Maybe it, it has been, it, w- it would have been fixed by then. But um, at the time, I was actually talking with the Saving developers, and that was pretty interesting. I don't know about you. You're not super, um, so uh, excited about this one, but- No, no, I,
0: I actually am very excited. Um, the reason, I'll be honest, I I used Safing.io maybe a couple years ago when it was still in alpha on my Linux desktop. And it was alpha. (laughs) And everything broke. Like when I say everything, all my network (laughs) connectivity just broke. I have used it again since then, not on a paid tier just using the free version on Linux once again. It is not broke. Um, and it's been actually uh, pretty cool. I will likely be purchasing a subscription plan. Uh, there is currently desktop versions available for Windows and Linux, uh, a couple different flavors of Linux, popular ones, of course, like Debian-based, Fedora, I think Arch. Um, I think it'd be... I, I actually cannot wait, and hopefully they release a Mac OS version, which I think would be it, for anyone that's uses Mac out there, there's other software apps like little snitch and stuff, which kind of do the same thing, but this does it in a, in a much more cohesive fashion and display. Excuse me. And it's been uh a mass. There's been massive improvements to the user interface and obviously the functionality, cause it hasn't broke my system yet. I don't use <laughs> it. I haven't used it like exclusively yet. I'm just, I've just been kind of playing with it. Um, I didn't catch the Firefox thing, so I'm going to I'm gonna have to check that out because that, that is concerning. <laughs> but I like the idea. One of the things I like about this, just for people who are listening, visualize for a moment, is that if you have the paid plan, they have the ability to... I think it's way better than a VPN in this capacity where typically you have a VPN tunnel to a VPN provider, but then all your traffic goes through that. Whereas with Safing.io, depending upon what plan you're on, you can set per application settings and let, and they can even go through different endpoints to get out to its destination, which is wild. Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that's actually, that's revolutionary because other than Tor, I don't know of any project that does this and VPNs are not even able to do this. They're not you able to. You can do a split time. Yeah. yeah you can you can split split tunnels but that means that you can only either you know route your whole device traffic through the one server and then leave out certain applications but with SPN you can just choose which applications go through which destinations and you can even exclude certain applications from the from from being routed through the uh, network um, from the SPN network itself which is actually pretty amazing because sometimes like uh, maybe you don't want you, you you should not route uh, something like a banking app through a VPN server right. because that could raise some red flags and you could get account locked out. Um, or maybe if you're also so, streaming
0: yeah. Netflix from your desktop, maybe don't route that through an SPN if you're just wanting to connect normally. Um, or like Hulu is another great example. Um, Hulu, if you have a paid subscription to like live con i like to watch m l s soccer and some other things right so I have a uh hulu subscription and if i change the internet connection uh the you know from like the source ip of where i'm requesting um i only get it asks like oh did you move like are you at a different is this do you want this to be your new home location and like if i log in say to a, at my parents house or something to watch the game and you get so many of those where you can say like yeah and then i come back home and i log back in so that might be a situation where you don't want to use a vpn or a spn ip for that maybe you know or like you said your bank cuz banks get finicky when you start logging in from different like crazy IP addresses. Um, But then you can have everything else go through it Uh, or or other apps like Spotify or your browser, heck anything, discord, whatever you're using, have it go through an application specific endpoint like, you know, SPN. That is, that is game changer. I don't think if anyone's listening to this, like really grasps that concept. um, It is like using like Orbot, on an Android device for your for your apps, but it's faster. <laughs> it's like way <laughs> yeah. way faster and more efficient. Um, I mean, because Tor is a great service, it's a great tool, but it's limited because there's a finite number of of relays that can process all that traffic and send it out. And it's you know it, it it's it works okay, but it's very slow. So if you're doing anything that has to do with streaming or you're uploading files and stuff like that, um, it's just kind of a crappy experience all around. Um, if it's things like just passing, like if like I'll give you a perfect example, if you just run around like on a Android device on my phone, I run my Google Maps data through Orbot um, because it's nice to have Google Maps. Uh, I travel quite a fair amount and it's nice to be able to pull up Google Maps so I can see if there's any like traffic delays or I should take an alternate route and things like that. But I just have all of the traffic go through Orbot. So I can kind of shield it from, you know, where it's coming from, so to so to speak. But uh, so it's like doing that, but on your computer. And it's faster. That's awesome. Like, so I did have a bad taste in my mouth about safing.io. <laughs> okay, no doubt. Because, dude, it sucked. And you're the one that told me, like, dude, it doesn't suck anymore. Like, you should try it again. And I did. I did. I did go back down that rabbit hole and you're right. It's, it's, it's totally awesome. Uh, Yeah. I I wanted to give them a chance because I understood from the beginning what they were trying
1: to do. And also I was able to appreciate their efforts because as one of the very few companies, they decided to reject all private investors and they just went to, to the company with their money and they applied for grants and stuff, but that's all. Um, all of their funding is just coming from grants and, and some user donations, and now they're they finally have a business model where people are paying for the SBN network. Um, but not a lot of companies are too bothered with uh, the, the, their ownership, and ownership can be a problem because mm. um, when the bottom line is uh, bringing um, shareholders more profit, uh, more revenue, then you know at some point there is going to be the decision made about well, are we going to get um, profit or are we going to get, you know, uh, are we going to maintain yeah. user privacy? Right. And that's, that's, that's not, that's not something that I want to want, want my data to be, um, to, to be uh, in, in that equation. Right. Uh, so I, I think this is kind of noble and a few companies do this. I think standard notes from what I was able to see on their homepage, uh, they also claim that they have no investors, Hundred percent of the revenue is coming from subscribers. Uh, yeah. Paying, yeah, yeah, subscribers paying subscribers. Um, this is one of the reasons why I, why I like Briar. Or the Briar is, is is a nonprofit. I think
0: right. they
1: don't even attempt to make money. But OS is, is also a nonprofit. They don't attempt to make money, and uh, they are not a company. Right. So they are basically giving it all away for free. But also, they don't want to avoid any heavy commercial interest and. And also GrapheneOS or Daniel McKay, the lead developer, he rejected um, working with or or partnering with another company again like this. So this is something that I I think needs to be brought up more because it is something that could eventually turn a good private product into a nightmare that, you know, that that this is something that happened to like wire or wicker, you know, I Wicker's think a great example. you mean yeah. AWS wicker? <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Uh, yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. That, that's the one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it
1: was, a, it was a good ad at the beginning of their, it was. Of their journey. It was, yeah, it was, it was anonymous, pretty secure.
0: Sure. And I, 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 uh, I'm a heavy standard notes user. I, I really like standard notes. It's cross platform. It works really well. Um, get a pay for your stuff people and if and and donate <laughs> and and donate to your your favorite developers donate to graphinoos uh donate to signal uh donate you know to your favorite open source projects um some of them do have subscription models which i pay for bitwarden is a great example uh standard notes another great example nt.io for photo backups um These are great examples. I mean, NT is uh, is a subscription model, but I'm just saying, put your money where where you care about your data because that's how we're going to win. That's what Google and Apple do. You got to pay for that stuff. It ain't free. I mean, there's a lot of stuff they give you for free, but there's a lot of things that people just willy-nilly will pay for, you know, extra storage space and a .me, whatever Apple's stupid email service. You know, screw all that. Give it to give it to companies who care, like Tutanota or ProtonMail or whoever, um, it, because that's how they're able to scathe off the allure by investors.
1: Did you know that Bitwarden was recently? Uh, invested, like, $100 going to make me cry. Yeah, like, they, I think they got an investor of $100 million
0: So the one, the one thing I like about Bitwarden versus, obviously, LastPass, but, you know, like, 1Password or Dashlane or these, is that they have, their code is open source, and it's heavily audited. And you can self-host if you choose to do so. Um, okay. So if... If uh if that changes, then that will definitely change my position about Bitwarden. But so far they've maintained integrity by having um their source their their code open source and they have um they do I think they do a lot of self audits, but then they also have a lot of external audits done on a on a on a regular interval um that are Always checking like the algorithm, their 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 processes for how they store their blobs for the vaults, um, who has access, things of that nature. Um, even though LastPass, you know, obviously they've they're having some trouble right now. Um, but if if the encryption is good, even if those blobs get out, if you have a really good strong password, you're still fairly protected. But it's just, man, I would be losing sleep at night if I was a LastPass customer. <laughs> You know? Yeah,
1: same here. I think it leaks a lot of metadata. It's not. It's not. Sure. It's not ideal. Not ideal. Um, but I, I'm just. I'm just wondering. Like uh, that 100 mil um, got the investor a minority stake at the company. So I wondered, like, Bitwarden must be huge. They must be. I, that's must be like a, in cash.
0: that's a huge amount of money. That's a huge amount of money for a company like that. But I don't know how big they are.
1: They must be pretty huge, but like, uh, if it's just a minority stake, I don't know. But even a minority stake could be a problem because um, the guy from Safing, David, he told me that even even if you sacrifice like few percentage points of the ownership of your company, then you still have this fiduciary responsibility to to deliver to that investor, sure. even though it's just. And they they could they could actually have a lot of leverage to make certain strategic decisions about your company to make certain moves. Um, That that could actually end up going against um, the best interest of your privacy or the privacy of users. So I'm 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 a little um, worried that uh, Bitwarden, although it's has been touted as a great service, could actually end up making some bad decisions. And sure, I have to say that like from my research, Bitwarden actually did indeed implement um, uh, quite a range of um, trackers and analytics. uh, software, software, both on their website and in their mobile apps. So it's not, it's not um, the most private uh, alternative right. or solution for a password manager. But with the syncing capability, I think it's the the most um, acceptable solution. If if sync is something that you 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 cannot live w- without,
0: right? Um, for me, like what I do, I could live without it, but it'd be fantastically complicated. Uh, like if I were to just to go to like a key pass, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, solution, I think for me, what I would probably do is just say, well, screw it. I'll just self host it because then I could put it on my own, uh, server and, you know, access that, uh, via VPN, like I do with my next cloud but server outside.
1: Then, but. Then, you have to, then you have to trust the security of that ser- server. And what if, uh, you know, what if you get... Well, then, you I know. would
0: only do that if it remains open source. If it doesn't, then that's a totally okay. different ballgame. Yeah, that's a totally different ballgame. I would definitely come up with a different different plan for that. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Well, it's something to monitor. I'm glad you uh, brought that up because, you know, they've been kind of a favorite of mine as a, as a suggestion uh, to use and will remain so unless you know if, if something changes um that's what i'm saying I'll, i'm going to keep an eye on this and who knows maybe we'll just go ahead and get them on the show and ask them about it what's up what's going on uh how, you know <laughs> but why not if you can't if you can't reach out to these companies to ask them questions and bring them on the record for it then I'm not saying like, Oh, you know, if they, if they try to come on my show, then they're, I'm just saying like if, whether it's email or asking them or, Hey, would you be down for interview? Like we have some questions about this because, um, that's what, that's what this community, the privacy community should be doing. It should be holding these companies that are touting all this verbiage on their websites and in their marketing materials should hold them accountable to it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I, that's,
0: um, that would be that would be
1: actually a great service to the community if you if you did that did that. If if you if you just get them uh in an email, that would be that would be fantastic. That sure. would be better if there you could get some, them on the episode.
0: I mean yeah. collectively, there is a large amount of influencer community that has always promoted Bitwarden. Uh Michael bazel uh, is a huge one. Uh, he, he yeah. Does he have an affiliate link? <laughs> I don't know. He, I will say he seems pretty aware of what affiliate links he's willing to use because he doesn't want anything that ties back to being able to reveal someone's identity he, who used it. Um, he seems like he'd rather not get paid on an affiliate if there's it's going to be any compromise in people who use the, the affiliate. Okay. But I only know him through his podcast. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have any interactions with him otherwise. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt, right? I'm just saying I think the only,
1: the you know, only the, way the... I would recommend someone to, to use, I'm sorry. I was just going to say that the only way that I would recommend someone to be, to be um, at peace with Bitwarden is um, if you signed up uh, with an anonymous uh, email account, completely anonymous credentials. And if you need to get a paid uh, subscription, then I would only go for the Bitcoin option, and only only if you were able to somehow anonymize your Bitcoin um, wallet either through uh, running it through Monero at least once, or I don't know about other other yeah. services other than Monero.
0: Um, no, that that'd be a good that'd be a good option. Um, by the way, Safing.io does accept Monero and Bitcoin. It does natively, yeah, natively. So. Props to them for doing that. I think Bitwarden should accept Monero. I think everyone who claims to be in the privacy space, if they're accepting crypto, should take Monero. Um, I, paid for, uh, I paid for my Librem 5 with Bitcoin. <laughs> I finally got it.
1: <laughs> it's, so, it's sitting on my what, desk. What it, it forever lives on the charger. <laughs> you, should, you, should, you, should say, you should say what it is because I think people, people will probably not
0: even know what that ancient technology is anymore. Bro, it is ancient technology, and I just got it three weeks ago, four weeks ago. So That's, that's embarrassing. I, the Librem 5 is a phone produced by a company called Purism. They also make laptops, uh, specifically for Linux. They make Linux. It's kind of like a System76 company. And I pre-ordered this Librem 5 almost four years ago. It would have been four years ago in March. And today is January 6th. I just received it in the last three, three and a half weeks. It was uh, like the first week of December. And it's a cool like device. It's already dated. The battery life is terrible. The app store when it loads is subpar as far as like what kind of apps are available for it. And... As a phone, it's okay, but it's awful. It's—I'm just going to say it's—it's it's awful. I would not recommend this. I would—if you're not a Graphene OS type person, I'd say get yourself a Pixel and put Ubuntu Touch on it. <laughs> if you want a Linux phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I—I I, I, I was really disappointed. <laughs> it's uh ergonomically it's awkward it's kind of more just a square brick of plastic with a screen on it and you know the screen is, is okay uh, it's it's bright enough i'm not a big tech reviewer type of person but wow I'm, I'm i was just really disappointed i wish i could have just got my money back to be honest with you
1: Yeah, I think I think they should just have abandoned the project and just apologized to everyone for for messing this one up. Because uh, other than that, it it, it's not such a terrible company, I guess.
0: Um, No, never. Yeah, and I understand. You know, the pandemic created a lot of problems with with uh, supply chain. You know, for for uh, electronics, a lot of supply chain issues. I get it, but I ordered this thing long. Before any of that was, was a problem, and I anyway, the communication from the company was really terrible on it as well. I always had to email them to get an update. Uh, it almost seemed like there it was like the redheaded headed stepchild they adopted, and then they kind of just wanted to keep it in the closet and not let it, not feed it or anything. You know, it was like a we <laughs> we screwed up kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to knock the company, I'll, although I will say. This isn't the only Purism product I bought. I also bought a Purism uh, 13-inch laptop like a few months after I pre-ordered the phone. And I sent it right back. I had all sorts of um, – I had physical problems with it. Now, they took it back. They refunded me. You know, they, it, That was fine. But I, so far, my interactions with their products are pretty bad. Now they've probably hopefully gotten better since then, uh, but it you know I since have bought a System 76 laptop, uh, and I will probably continue to buy System 76 machines or Frame.io or other other laptops that are like you know compatible with Linux uh, through and through. Before I would go back to purism for anything, because
1: you know we we are in the topic of of uh, the project that we are following. I guess this is not not something that you follow anymore, but. You know, speaking of like new devices, I was actually looking forward to the Pixel tablet from Google, and I'm not a fan of Google or anything like that. Nothing changes about the, the all the criticism that I have against Google. Sure. I still hate hate the company, et cetera. I'm just saying this because people just uh, you know some people have cognitive dissonance and they cannot hold to ideas. Uh, at the same time, so yes, Google has terrible privacy policies, but some of their products are uh, really essential for security and privacy. So, yeah, I, I like Pixel phones, and I wanted to have a Pixel phone in, like, a tablet screen, right? So, and the only reason is because I could de-Google that device, so I could right. install Graphene OS on it. And then if I have, you know, like a 14 inch, fourteen or 13-inch uh, tablet, then I can attach a uh, keyboard. Perhaps a mouse and replace my laptop with it, and I would be a lot more secure. I could use something like Standard Notes or maybe something else that could work right. on my on my noise tablet. This is what I was looking for, and now they've they've yeah. announced the tablet. It's coming out, yep, and it's just going to be like a remote, slightly more mobile Nest Hub thing, right? And I'm I'm kind of disappointed because I wanted this to be something like the iPad pro where they have this uh, commercial, like what's the computer? <laughs> right. You know, right. like they're, they're trying to make it like, this is the new computer. You're never going to need a new computer. You're going to use the iPad. So I wanted to have that, but in, in a graphene OS um, system. And I, I, I don't think I'm going to have that.
0: I also thought the same thing when I saw, um when I saw that and, was disappointed and i since i just loaded a video so you probably heard the intro for the for that uh, I, I since came across a video by tech Hut who said there is um a tablet is this right yeah a tablet uh a Linux tablet released by fight Tab, called the Tab duo um and it's the website is fydetabduo. Uh, Fydetab. Now, why did they come up with these stupid names? What the um, fuck! I'm gonna. I'll send you a link in, in our uh, in our chat. I, I got um, it. Okay. But it's, so it's it's a, yeah. I got uh, it. So essentially, it is a. I don't know. I, I, have to, <laughs> I have to do some research. What I'm saying, my whole thing is, I wanted the same thing. I wanted that Google Pixel tablet and I thought, the, f- the first thing I thought, I was like, dude, can we de-Google that? Can we throw a on that? Because that would be awesome. Um, I do use an iPad Pro because when I travel, it's a nice companion device to be able to do things while I'm on a flight or anything like that. I don't have to pull a laptop out. But I would, in an ideal world, would absolutely love a non surveilling tablet of some kind. And, uh, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, this is going to be it. And then I, I, I saw the same stuff and I was like, this is not going to be it. And, and like a week or two later, I came across this video and I was, he actually has a review on it on TechHut.com. I'll actually, I'll post a link to it, uh, in the show notes. So if people want to check it out, I don't know if it's good. I'm not promoting it. I'm just saying it's something to check out. Um, and maybe, maybe there'll be another op, some other better options that come out because uh, that be, that'd be sweet. I'd love that. My goal for 2023 and moving forward is to try to, uh, at least right now, is experiment and try to use as many different applications that run on the Linux operating system as possible to move me away from having to rely on having a Mac. For my day job, I do a lot of multimedia stuff. I work with a lot of codecs. Um, there's certain applications I, I kind of rely on that don't run on on Linux at all. Um, now, there's other alternatives that maybe could work. So, for instance, I use Adobe Suite products. I use Final Cut Pro, and I'm looking at using DaVinci Resolve Studio on Linux. Looking at maybe potentially switching over to try to see if Darktable could be a replacement for Lightroom. I know there might be some people out there say like, well, why not Kdenlive? I need professional video editing tools. Um, I work with a lot of different other collaborators on on projects for clients that kind of like are using formats and codecs that Kdenlive just doesn't have uh, the plugin integration that I need, but DaVinci Resolve does. And so that could be a formidable replacement for Final Cut and Adobe Premiere. Um, Darktable could potentially be, and I'm experimenting with it, could be a replacement for Lightroom. I don't rely on Lightroom as heavily as I do on the video editing stuff. Um, but I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do as much as I can. Um, I've recently just been using the Nobara Linux desktop, which is a custom rolled. It's designed for gamers. It's, uh, it runs on Fedora and the reason why i kind of look at these like gaming centric linux distributions is because one of the things they do really well typically is incorporate the latest and greatest amd or nvidia drivers for graphics cards and all the codecs now granted i know there's the purists out there uh that are like well it's not it's if it's not open source then it's you know well okay i got to i got to i got to live man i got to make money i got i got to use these apps so this is at least a step into being able to do that by using non free codecs and non free drivers and things on a linux platform where at least i can kind of like have an operating system that is more privacy respecting and more maybe arguably secure I can go back and forth on that compared to like mac os or something but you know secure ish (laughs) and but definitely more privacy respecting for sure uh to experiment with how much of my work can i do from a mac on linux that's going to be a huge part of my journey this year and kind of documenting that or talking about my pitfalls or my roadblocks Um, as you know and i think the mobile device is always going to be kind of a uh a topic for me as well but anyways Part of that to say is why I'm also always looking for other hardware alternatives to complement the things that I do when I'm traveling. Like a Linux tablet replacing an iPad for me would be great. I'd love that because it is when I now when I travel I'm always traveling with like two laptops: my X1 Carbon ThinkPad, which runs <laughs> yeah. Linux, and my MacBook. <laughs> Can I ever get to one? Would be awesome.
1: That, that'll be pretty awesome. Although, yeah, that's that's where the, the Linux tablet could be an option for you. Although I would be pretty worried about its security because then you're sacrificing the uh, excellent security model of a right. mobile operating system to a much, much more inferior so uh, pretty a non-existent model of a yeah, desktop.
0: I, I would compartmentalize too on the tablet. Like I would probably really only use it for things like jotting down notes, um, doing email on the, you know, from the road. Um, and this would be work, just work stuff. So I wouldn't really be too concerned. I mean, I'm always concerned. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm saying is it'd be okay. The threat model that my threat model would allow for a less secure device uh, like that. Uh, for 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 its use case, um, but I could def I definitely agree with you that it would could definitely be a potential security risk if it was like lost or stolen. Yeah, uh,
1: my my goal was originally to move all of my um, sensitive work, so that's anything that has to do with passwords, authentication, logging, and uh, right. perhaps even like scripting and research, to move that into a secure environment. So um, you know, I could do that on a desktop with Cubes OS, but that could you know completely <laughs> kill my productivity. Yeah, I mean, Cubes is amazing, but it's, it's completely cool. unusable. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to use it on, on like um, on, uh, for an extended period of time and uh, keeping up with your workload because it's just it's just in your way too much. It's it unlike is. Graphene OS. So I wanted to my my goal was well, as soon as the Pixel Tablet comes out, I'm just going to buy it, flash Graphene OS on it. And then I'm going to move all of my all of my uh, work there, and I'm going to have my laptops only for like the heavy, you know, like video editing um, or
0: something like that. Yeah, video
1: editing yeah. work yeah. and uh, and stuff like that. Something that a mobile architecture is not going to handle well. Right. But you know, I'm <laughs> I'm not going to get there. So kind of like my goals are have been, have been pretty much uh, scratched, and uh, I have to start um, uh, from from zero again and see <laughs> where I can. <laughs>
0: Someone help us out, <laughs> right? Someone give us a solution. Help, help, help us out here. We're trying. We're, we wanna, we want to. We want to do this thing, you know. Um, and on that, before I forget, I I did ask the Matrix Room if they had any questions for you, and I know I have a. I had a couple of questions, but I wanted to, um, just circle back on on one thing before we get too far off. Uh, and this goes back to Kutch. And someone posted um, talking portal in our matrix chat said uh, THO is a fan of Briar and Kutch. Um, it says I can, I can find uh, it can be all or nothing in this privacy. I'm also a supporter of his Patreon and says uh, he points out some issues with signal on his own Patreon podcast, which you have. And I've, I've heard those podcasts and this person says specifically around your phone number. He does not recommend signal for most people. Also, he prefers decentralized options like Kutch, which, and it says in parentheses, which I don't know anyone is using. Um, so uh, one of the questions is just kind of like, what is your uh, acceptability level for, for non, yeah, for like signal in your, in your communications? Especially, you're communicating with a lot of people. You're doing research. You're reaching out to people are you are you asking them to reach out to you on Kutch or Breyer or is Signal kind of like a default go-to to be able to interact with these individuals when you're doing research?
1: Um, I think it comes down to the level of, of acceptable risk. And I don't think I'm all or nothing um, because if I was, then I, w- I wouldn't be able to communicate with anyone and I wouldn't I wouldn't even have a YouTube channel because that's a massive privacy risk and a security risk as well. Um but I I approached um these um situations on case by case basis. That means if I tried to chat with someone like you, we 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 tried many different options. We tried right. Matrix, we tried uh, Briar and Kutch. And Session. I don't think so. We used Session. Yeah, too. we we tried Session, but we tried Briar as well. Sure we did. And we 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 saw how it worked. And um, Briar um, has this bottleneck that both contacts need to be online at the same time for the messages to to be uh, exchanged, and that's that's the problem um, because it drains your battery. Your phone needs to be constantly on. Um, so yeah, I approach this um, from you know the um, the most. Um, optimal solution that I can get that person to, that's where I go. So for most people that I am in contact with on a regular basis, that's Signal, and I don't have a problem with that. Um, If I was trying to deal drugs with some of these people, I would probably move to something anonymous, and I would, would not use my Signal account Um, because I have that account with people that know my, know me personally. So if that phone number leaks somewhere, you know, if I was dealing with a cop and that cop had not my phone, my phone number, then they could go to, you know, my contacts, um, and figure out that, uh, figure out who who I'm, who I am communicating with, which they would be able to do once they were able to get, get the hands on my, uh, signal phone number. And, um, um, I mean, with a reasonable level of, uh, of research and, and investigation. Right. And then, uh, you know, it could, be a, it could be a threat there, you know, but I'm not dealing drugs, so that's, this is not within my threat model right now. <laughs> but um, with Breyer and Coach, I'm, I'm just um, researching them from their white papers and from what they're offering on their roadmap. That doesn't mean that this is where they are at currently. And uh, I, it doesn't even mean that that's where they ever be. And also, this is the problem that they are like nobody's using them, and they're pretty hard to convince people to use them. Signal is uh, very easy because it's just the same as WhatsApp, and even that that uh, makes it a lot of people not want to use it. So I just go for the most optimal solution that, that uh, I can get the the person I'm communicating with to. Uh, compromise on with me, and some people refuse to compromise. They just don't don't do anything. They just set up an email account or to, to just um, tell me their email address, and we exchange emails. And if that's the case, then unfortunately, I'm not telling them my most personal details. I'm just being very vague and, um, you know general about my stuff if we are exchanging some personal letters or some something like that. But if we're in a signal account, then I'm going deep into my existential crisis.
0: <laughs> right, right. That makes sense. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Um, I, I I, was curious, you know, just because, you know, people are familiar with your channel. You have a very large YouTube channel. You do a lot of video content. And sometimes it's just you like to have a little insight to, who you know, as much as you're willing to share and like kind of like your thought process around some of these things because sometimes your content can kind of, and I can understand that sometimes your content can kind of come off. And I know it's just part of the style of your editing and everything where it's like, you know, it's, it's all rough, you know, and, and, open source and Linux or nothing. And it's like, that's not really true, but you know, as much as you can, you try to enforce your, uh, these, you know, the, the workflow for communication, especially with unknown people, uh, as best you can. And, I totally respect that. I mean, I'm, I'm in the same boat. Um, you kind of have to just, you, you're going to end up cutting yourself off, uh, from too many people. If you say you can only talk to me yeah. on Briar, if you want to talk to me, download Briar and talk to me. That's it. You yeah. Know, I, just, I just
1: want to issue a correction is that I do not, not recommend signal for most people. I would say for most people, it's perfectly fine and safe, even for, um, specific, uh, high level threat models, uh, like journalists or activists, it could be safe. It sh- it largely depends on uh, how um, um, familiar you are with uh, getting an anonymous SIM card with an an anonymous uh, IMEI device. Uh, so that would be that would have to be on the burner basis, basically. And how to anonymize those locations, or you know, move them away from your workplace or your home address. It's, it's just um, several hurdles put in place because of this phone number requirement. You are not able to manage multiple identities on Signal. You just have one. If right. you need to get a new identity, you need to have a new device. Or you can have Graphene OS, but then you would still have to get a new IMEI device. Otherwise, these uh, different phone num- uh, signal uh, accounts would be correlated with the, IMEI, with the same IMEI, if that makes sense and uh, these are these are issues that I want to point out. I want to say that these are huge limitations that signal just refuses to address and right. for me I, I think it doesn't have any valid reason. I think they are just uh, being stubborn they don't want to uh, listen and I think it comes from this white male Silicon Valley you know tech nerd who has never had an issue with with something like uh uh, spending 10 years in jail in, in in a, in a, in a Russian, in a Russian prison because you, you know, you said something that uh, uh, offended the Russian military or the government, you know? Right. So um, you, you know, in a, in the United States, you can get an anonymous SIM card in some countries. Um, you can get an anonymous SIM card, but in most countries you cannot. Right. right. And that's, right. that's a problem. Like in Hungary, um, a journalist um, was targeted by the government through an NSO spyware because they had their phone number. Mm. And if you just remove that phone number, you just make your um, application so much more adaptable to so many different different threat models, and you allow these extreme cases to still operate uh, within your ecosystem while um, because of that phone number requirement, You know, these people have to look for something else or jump through these hurdles to obtain an anonymous phone number. And if that becomes problematic, like compromised, they have to burn it and get a new one and get a new device. You know, it's... Right. I'd rather that not be there. And I understand that people like that, you know, Signal packages that phone number requirement with contact discovery, which is what makes Signal so popular because it immediately tells you who else in your context is also on signal. So you can start messaging there straight away, but um, they, sh- they, they just don't give people who need more security that option. Right. And that's my big problem. When they try when they are marketing themselves as this ultimate gold standard of secure messaging, which they have been for a long time and they still are, their content is solidly secure. No one is getting into the, the, the content of the messages. There is some limited implementation of uh, sealed sender, which is not perfect. Uh, There's been an attack on Signal sealed sender uh, uh, implementation, and they were able to basically de-identify senders within like five messages sent. Mm. Um, Yeah, so that's that's not very solid. So Signal is not as good as it could be when it comes to your metadata, but it is much better than Facebook,
0: iMessage, WhatsApp, all these mainstream platforms. Right, right. What's, what's your feeling about Session these days?
1: Mm, my feeling um, uh, that's very strong is with their um, base in Australia. And right. I know that this is a hot topic in the privacy community because there is a camp that says that jurisdiction does not matter. But I think at some point, jurisdiction does matter if the law in the country can force an employee at the company to basically hijack their own uh, software. It could be the um, developer, uh, like the lead developer. It could be the CEO. It could be anyone working at the company. And um, they can implement a backdoor system into a target. They would not be allowed to tell anyone about this. They could not go to the court. They could not go to the media if they tried to say anything to anyone, not authorized, um, then they could face five to 10 years in jail. This is, this is a horrible law. It's a law that's exclusively in Australia. They tried to do this in the UK as well, but it didn't go through the European court of human rights. This is not a law that's present in the United States. The FBI tried to force Apple to do this, but Apple, well, they didn't win. Apple, um, FBI just dropped the case. Right. But, you know, right. it could it could have very well been the case that FBI would would win, and then Apple this would set the president that right. you know the U.S. government could force companies to right. um, build backdoors for. Um, for specific targets through updates so yeah that's that's a problem yeah i don't i don't like that I also don't like the idea that they removed the perfect forward secrecy from the encryption protocol. I think that 's a basic standard i don 't understand why they think it's, you know like it 's not just um, to mathematically uh, remove any evidence of uh, ownership of these messages it 's also you know to uh, prevent any sort of potential compromise i don 't know um, it's, there is benefit in I guess, in the idea that, um, you don't have to provide your phone number, but right. I don't know how easy it is to manage multiple identities because, um,
0: you would uh, have to have multiple
1: apps installed. I, I was going to say,
0: yeah, I could see how you could maybe do that on Graphene OS by having the app installed on multiple user profiles, but then you guys start getting to a point where, it, you know, I understand, right. We always have a trade-off with More privacy, more security, there's less convenience. But at some point, things become so archaic that you're just not going to do it. It's just not feasible. Um, One of the things I do uh, for my phone is I I, I use Signal. And I've talked with, you know, my friends and my family have, you know, we communicate mostly on Signal, mostly me able to get most people over, which is nice. And then I have a separate Signal, and I use the molly.im app, which is another fork of Signal, so I can have a separate instance, and that's tied to a pseudo number. Um, that works pretty well, but it'd be nice to be able to have even more options. You know, That's the one thing that I, I wish that Signal was have, is even maybe within its own app, allow me to switch what profiles to, to change to, like within the app while retaining the connection that sustain, you know, sustaining the connection for the other profile that I'm switching out of or something like that would be really beneficial. Um, uh, but I, and in a perfect world, I would love to see signal adopt something like this session ID, uh, concept. So instead of using, having the phone number at all, like we've talked about from the beginning of this pos- podcast is, Oh, here's my session number or Here, here's my signal number. It's a seg signal session number or something like that. Um, because you know there's so many so many different types of people out there that would have the use case of like hey I don't want I want to have these uh identities isolated from each other to be able to communicate you know like you let's say you like you want to be able to communicate to your friends and family but you also want to be able to communicate maybe in the same protocol using the same protocol to someone who's reaching out to you that you're maybe coordinating an interview with or something um and that is You know, probably the same case for journalists. Maybe the same case for people who aren't in that scenario. Maybe they just want to use it because uh, they're single and they don't want to give someone that they're just meeting, like considering to date them or something, like their real phone number or a real profile, communication profile. They can give them an alternate, you know. Um, These are are things that uh, will, I think, Bridge the gap. I have the same concerns. I've had the same concerns about a Session with it being Australia-based, and that I just kind of wanted to hear it from you. Um, I know it's it's a very slick application. They've done a fantastic job with their user interface. I, I like I like it. It's just that I was had the same concerns of like, well, how do I know? I mean, I, I don't think that I'm going to be a target, but I mean, it's like, how do I know that this isn't going to be used to target people with an update? Uh, being that they're Australia based and the kicker is you wouldn't know about it. You wouldn't know about it and you wouldn't maybe even know about it even if they used it to track somebody down unless someone were to blow the whistle and who's going to blow the whistle if you're facing jail time and you're on a big ass island, (laughs) you know, like where are you going to (laughs) go? Um, yeah, it's, uh it's 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 interesting to, to to discuss and just kind of you know think a little deeply about maybe maybe maybe' I'm,
1: I'm being I'm being too harsh on on the Australian uh, jurisdiction thing but I'm really skeptical of this because um, this was really planned and intentional and they just really wanted to see which country would be the first to uh, implement something like this the UK tried to do this the United States has uh, not attempted to do something like this they they um i think they wanted to set the precedents through the court they, they, i i don't think this would be a legal you know like a like a congressional congressional attempt in the united states but basically because of the intelligence uh sharing treaties between these countries you only need to have this law implemented in in one right and and, and- based on-
0: and, and and Australia is part of the Five Eyes intelligence. Exactly. With what is it? New Zealand, U.S., U.K. and uh, I Canada. Canada. Thank you, Canada. Uh, so it's a very it's a it's a very serious um, potential precedent, so to speak, for other countries to adopt that at some point. It's all going to have to do with. Uh, you know, a uh, time and place and who, who's in administration and all that kind of thing. Um, and those are the types of things that once they're done, they don't get undone.
1: I, I've i heard of one company. They told me that um, they are uh, blacklisting all candidates from Australia because of this law. So I'm not the only one who is taking it this seriously. Um, obviously, these people, um, maybe they had their own legal advice. I'm not a lawyer, so maybe I'm reading it wrong. That's possible, but I've tried to look at it from many different perspectives, and I try to research um, legal opinions on this, and I find it to be problematic. You know, um, Session can be a perfectly reasonable solution and tool, and it it probably is, but I find some of their decisions to be pretty concerning, and uh, I don't think it's, um, at least for me, it doesn't provide the value that I'm Looking for in an instant messenger in sure. order for me to switch to it from something like Signal. I still use Signal for most of my regular communications, but I still like to use Matrix or even even some other messengers. I try to. I, I even use like I would even use a session for like a burner communication. Right. Um, something like in the case of dealing drugs, for example. Right that would be that would be that could be a reasonable uh, thing to do if you if you just burn that account after you're done with uh, one deal or, or right.
0: something like that right yeah um yeah I, i'm always I'm always looking at everything and and I'm always uh, reluctant to try to move to something that I don't fully know what the long term viability is, like I'm like you, I would say number one is signal for sure. 90, 90 percent of my communication is going through there. Uh, I, and then I am using matrix a lot more these days and that's um, pretty convenient. And then, you know, it's nice to experiment with some of these other ones, but I'm not, you know, I was, I've been using session for quite a long time, but I have only been using it with a few select people because I didn't want to try to convert people over and then realize like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to use this anymore and bail because that's how, that's how you lose people on, on these apps. And I think that's why Signal has remained kind of like a, a good starting place is that it has that longevity to it. Um, it's not ideal, but it's a lot better than the alternatives.
1: I mean, Signal, Signal used to be um, revolutionary. They did bring end-to-end encryption into the mass market unlike anyone before them. I remember the days where I had to set up pigeon through a Jabber <laughs> service or exit and PP, and it was horrible. You had to download several plugins to get it working through off the record and through end to end encryption, and then you had to do that all of that again through a different client because Pigeon did not support voice and um, video calls. So then you would have to do that for all of your contacts again, and it felt like it's such a hacker when I was when I was right. doing that. But um, you know, it was a hurdle, and nobody was willing to to do that for me. So then Signal came in as tech secure first, and I immediately jumped in the bandwagon and I was very happy with it. But you know, Signal has been a gold standard, but now I think it's just a standard and we need to ask for more. And I think just having the basic ability to manage multiple identities is something that's so obvious to me that it should have been implemented a long time ago like you don't want to have it like you laid out several scenarios just to, at, at the top of your head and and like it, it could lead to like so many um really nasty uh, scenarios that you don't want to expose yourself to um you know if you give your phone number to to some creepy person out there you know, if you if right. this is the phone number a you your signal account for, then you're screwed. You're screwed. But you can right. you, if you can if you can just generate as many burner identities as you want to go along with, and have one for work profile, for family, friends, for a mistress, for a wife, for kids, um, for whoever. You know, that's that's or, up to you. You, uh, you should know, have jo- the choice.
0: Job hunting. A lot of people who are job hunting put it on their resume. The resume gets posted on these publicly scraped websites everywhere. Uh, I'm always blown away right where like people are like well i want to try to keep my you know information private but they've got their name phone number address email and the header of the resume and they go and post it on indeed and monster and all these other job sites which are just havens for data scraping and boom you're compromised like they're exactly it's it's like a uh it's a primary key if you're looking at it from a relational database standpoint it will always be that unless you change it and then now what you know you got to start all over again so having other having other alternatives uh, is is in my in my opinion it's it's like a must it, it, we ha- we have to have other solutions and that's why i think the phone number is the achilles heel for everybody
1: it is it is and at least on android you have um two different methods of profile isolation through work profiles and user profiles right but on ios you don't have any profile isolation at all so what do you <laughs> do if um if you screwed yeah. up and your phone number is out there and then all every spammer under the sun is going to have your your signal signal account and then what are you going to do you know that's that's a problem
0: yeah it is a problem. And you're right. Yeah, there's no containers or anything on iOS. Uh, I suppose the only thing you maybe could do is the devices are capable of of multiple SIMs. So maybe if you're do you job hunting, maybe use a throwaway eSIM just until you get a job and then burn it, I guess. I mean, that's all you could really do that I could think of. Um, or or if you use like my mySudo or something like that, that would be what I would do. Um, if you're on a iOS device and you want to put a phone number on, say like you're trying to sell something, you know, you're working with someone on online, you're selling a piece of furniture out of your house. I mean, there's so many scenarios where you only need a temporary contact with somebody until that task is complete, whether it's selling something or getting a job, um, you know, filling something out to become a member somewhere like, you know, a shopping warehouse of like Costco or Sam's club or something like that. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of things where it's like, it's just, I just, it's hard to be guarded. This is some of your most personal information and it's a primary key to you. What, a, what I mean by a primary key for people that un- understand what I'm saying is, is that there's only, only you possess those particular pieces of data, they will always uniquely identify the same thing every time, right? There are many people out there who might have the same name as you, first name, last name, but even fewer that have the same middle initial, even fewer that live in the same state, and even fe- and then only one that's at your address and only one that has your phone number, because it's a unique phone number. So that's a primary key. Now, everywhere that that data exists, anywhere online, will almost surely Without a hundred percent error rate, identify a specific person every time. So that's that's the quest is to break that primary key up into throwaway content or content that can be ephemeral for the, for for the time being. You know, once it's used, it's used for yeah. a particular reason, and then it's gone and it's never linked back to you again, necessarily.
1: That signal, in my opinion, or any ideal solution should already start leveraging secure element on Android and iOS. And uh, I mentioned this before with the Titan M chip and Fido's. I think this is the ideal scenario for them. Not every phone has that implementation done and not any of them is uh, not. not, they're, They're not equally secure. Some of them, even if they do provide secure element implementations, they are still vulnerable to certain attacks, but it's still better than relying on a, on a SIM or a phone number, right. and it would prevent a lot of spam. It would have the same effect. So there is really no reason to, to require a phone number today. You know, some people say it's to prevent spam. Well, you can use the uh, Titan M chip to uh, store accounting information, and, you know, have only one account in, on there and right. m- maybe allow more identities through that account. It would be the same thing. And have the phone number as optional. If people want to save their phone number to have better contact discovery, that's up to them. But this kind of like forced feature, that's what I don't like.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It's going to be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what comes to market to compete against it. Uh, or what or, or other things like it out there. Uh, I think communication and uh, security around communication is going to be a huge topic of conversation for the coming years, um, and the phones are definitely at a place you know, like the pixels and stuff, especially with grapheneOS, are at a place where they can take full advantage of of it. I think they're underutilized. That hardware is grossly underutilized uh, from a, from a security standpoint. Uh, so let's let's see some let's see some solutions and I, for one will support the ones that respect a privacy with, with my wallet. I will. Um, so off topic, what, uh, what are you still on Linux mint? Is that what you're still rocking these days? You got any, uh, uh new mostly. flavors?
1: Mostly, yes. I'm I'm uh, not really hopping um, that much because I just want to stay focused on the work. And uh, Linux Mint has been like the most stable distro for me for a long time. Everything just works. There are ver- very rarely any issues, um, both with hardware and software that's being supported on it or not. So um, I'm familiar with it and uh, I'm not Incentivized to do too much hopping, and not, <laughs> not to to your level.
0: Well, man, I'm such a tinkerer. Uh, I I for me, my Mac OS, my Mac machine is kind of like the main machine that never changes, right? So I can always have all my workflow on one place. But I'm trying. The reason why I do the distro hopping is because I'm always trying to see what's a viable replacement. And um, I'm always curious because you know when I talk to other people who use Linux on their on their computers, like what you know what they find. And I think that honestly, uh, for me, uh, I've I've tried Linux Mint from your recommendation. I really liked it. Um, and I I also the one one operating system I come back to all the time is Pop OS, just because it just works really well, like with the hardware configurations that I have. Um, but I just like. Ex- messing with stuff i like making my life painful for some reason and and like well let's scrape <laughs> it let's try let's try this let's try that you know like right now it's nabara you know it's like some random thing out there but like, yeah let's give it a shot you know and i don't know i was running uh i still am running cubes os on my on one of my laptops i was running it on my desktop and i was like dude this is just that's just not gonna work <laughs> for, for for multimedia stuff It's just not gonna work uh so that's why i You know, I'm off to the next one. Right. (laughs) But
1: yeah, I I would, I would love to do that. But then um, at some point you are going to end up in a situation where you're spending more of the, of your time just tinkering with stuff and uh, trying these, these distros and trying to get them to work rather than uh, working uh, and, and spending time in the work itself. And it's kind of like this procrastination and at least for me, I used to tell myself, well, this is not procrastination. I'm doing something important here i'm I'm tinkering with my Linux distro right but um it's just uh it was just a nice way of uh um lying to myself that I'm not playing with toys
0: <laughs> right yeah and and uh th- i'm that's that's an area I'm going to be a little bit more focused on because as I'm really putting in the effort to really try to move some of my production stuff over uh it's gonna become. I'm going to need more consistency and something that's stable. So uh, for the moment, I'm still playing around and I'll probably settle uh, and, uh, likely in the back. I know myself pretty well. I'll it'll either be something like this Nabara, or I'll just go back to pop OS and just start getting work done. <laughs> so I'll, I, I think you should, I think you should make some content um, out of this because I, I, I
1: would be very interested and maybe uh, I, would, I would, you know, this could open my eyes to try something new again. And I think there'll be a lot of um, uh, demand for a content like this, even if it was on YouTube or just your traditional podcast format. Right. You know, this is this is gold. People want to see this uh, before they dip their fingers into this.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I actually uh, plan to do some YouTube stuff this year. Um, and you know, the, the podcast will always be a constant, but the YouTube will be a new addition for me, uh, and doing video stuff. So I'm looking forward to putting some of that out there. Um, I, what I might likely do is also produce some things specifically for Patreon and then roll it out to other channels like the YouTube and things just to get feedback from Patreons and let them see it and kind of give them a behind the scenes look of, of that kind of thing, kind of similar to what you do, kind of like copying your, your approach, uh, where there's a little more value uh, maybe for people to be more contributing because that's the other thing. Like um, I am taking on a lot of expense and doing a lot of self-hosting for a lot of the infrastructure. Um and so, one, it would be nice to be able to make money, but right now it's, it's actually just to maybe even help cover the costs uh, of everything, like whether it be the Linodes for the NG search server, the Mastodon server, uh, a Mailgun account. Uh, you know, their, the Mailgun alone is like $35 a month, right? Then I also run, I pay for plausible.io, uh, which is a, a privacy-respecting web analytics service. So I don't run any Google code on closednetwork.io. Um, I want analytics on visits and things like that, but I want to also respect the privacy of the visitors who come to the website. So I'm not trying to drop any cookies. I'm not putting any trackers through the website. Um, but these things cost money to, to you know, to, to pay for the services. Cause I'm not using like the free Google analytics script or something like that. Um, so I'm trying to find ways to also monetize, uh, to help support, not just myself, hopefully one day, but just support the infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, so anywhere I can create additional value for the people who are willing to support, I think is, uh, is a plus.
1: Yeah, I I would be interested. I would definitely promote your content because um, it is valuable. And uh, even I sometimes learn something new from uh, what you do because you just um, play around with so much and I don't have the time to go into all these new things. You you test everything new that comes up and I'm like, okay, unless this is something that's uh, really going to impact uh, what I'm already doing or change Something that I'm doing, I'm not going to be super interested in it. Right. But you, you, you try everything. And from my perspective, I think you really do like pain at least, uh, in some <laughs> non way.
0: I guess so. Yeah, because yeah. I, yeah. I wouldn't have the patience. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. It's a blessing or a curse. I'm not sure which one. Um, but I, I ask your wife, <laughs> <laughs> she'll tell you, she'll tell you for sure. Um, how many nights it's 2am I'm still up and sitting up in bed with the uh, headphones on and my laptop trying you know reading some tutorial trying to get something configured or do something um, but it's <laughs> I mean there it's, it's 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 I don't know it's fun it's um it keeps me from doing cocaine and drugs and stuff like that right so <laughs> a gambling habit you know it keeps me out of it keeps me out of all that it keeps me busy um I'm kind of, I'm kind of joking just halfway though. If you had some Coke, I'd probably, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just totally joking unless you're not, <laughs> unless you're not. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding everyone. Come on, lighten up. Uh, but yeah, this is, this has been fun, man. I like these. Let's just kind of BS about some stuff. Uh, there's a lot of things that I'd like to talk to you. Uh, and and I'd probably save it for another conversation, maybe in the next week or two. Uh, that I would like to talk about the community uh, and some of the okay. personalities in the community, and just kind of what we see where things we're kind of in the space, but I, you know, kind of familiar with some of the other players in the space. Um, And not, not as a, uh, just a, a negative bad talk or anything like that, just more observations and concerns and things that I have noticed. Uh, And it's also some strife within the community, some drama, not that, not to be like gossip drama things, but, uh, it's, it's been brought to my attention multiple times on certain personalities within the space, uh, and kind of like, Hey, what's your opinion of so-and-so or what do you think about this? Or who, what do you think about this person saying that? Um, granted, I mean, everyone can say whatever they want, but, uh, they are within the topic of the realm of the topics that we discuss. And there's some other things that I'd like to, uh, to talk about as well. So I think, um, maybe once you're healed up a little bit better, uh, in the next couple of weeks, I'd like to get back together and, uh, just shoot the breeze and have a couple of beers.
1: Yeah, I'm down. That would be pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. And I love these
0: episodes as well. Me too. It's, it's also easy to do. You don't have to do any video editing. You know? No, just audio. Just audio. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for everyone listening, uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. I'm going to have links in the description for the uh, podcast over to the hated ones, YouTube channel where you could subscribe. And, uh, also, uh, to Maya uh, the, uh, all the different things that we talked about today, any links or anything will also be in the description for, uh, the, the products we were talking about, like safing.io and all that thing, all that stuff. I'll make sure there are references to that, um, is there anywhere people can, uh, follow you outside of YouTube? Are you, I, I know you're talking about possibly doing a mastodon or I know you don't really do Twitter, but you have a, you have a subreddit, right? Or I don't know if you run it, but you have, there is a subreddit for you.
1: Yes, there is one. Uh, I'm one of the mods there. Okay, uh, it's uh, um, R slash the hated one. Okay, um, I'm not. I'm not very active on Twitter. I basically just have it, you know, to have my identity there. Sure. Um, in case I need to get in touch with some developers or stuff like that. But um, I'm more active on uh, uh, my subreddit, and I'm most active on my Patreon. Although that's behind a paywall, I understand. But the subreddit community is um, pretty stable, and I'm not planning to run my own instance. I would rather join um, someone else's community because I don't I don't trust my ability to manage a community. I'm I don't I don't think I have uh, any strengths in that um, in that in that in that sphere. So I would I'd, I'd rather just join someone who is already doing it in a in a much better better way than I ever could. So perhaps I would join your community if, um, if, if I'm welcome and, uh, I'll see, but if, if people want to get in touch in with the folks that are, uh, watching my content, then I think the subreddit is the best option.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Cool. And, uh, I'll just say right now, we would absolutely be uh, thrilled to have you on our, on our instance. I I know I would. So uh, if that's the (laughs) decision you decide to make, come on, come on over and everyone else listening, come on over and uh, put, then, you know, you can, there's another way you can interact with uh, everyone in this space and post your memes and maybe your nudes, you know, whatever, whatever you're in in for. (laughs) We're in no judgment zone. There's no, (laughs) that's good. (laughs) Oh, man. So any final words, or are you good? we go ahead and wrap this one up? Uh, I'm hoping to set up a drug place at your community and hopefully
1: to get some good dope there.
0: I love it, man. I mean, we're a closed (laughs) network for a reason. That's right. That's right. So, So bring it. It'll be a whole new darknet market. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me, brother. Anytime, bro. I'll talk to you next time.